Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, Kurt Graves. So we're back. We're back, back, back again. I make that joke every time. It's almost exactly the same time we recorded last week, except there's different there's different numbers on the clock because we sprang ahead. We sprung ahead. We springed ahead. We spring, spring, spring. We past tense, spring ahead. I hate doing the doing time. Doing another morning recording. Again, my fault. Um, well, because you're doing something fun later. I am. To appease a child. I am. I love appeasing children. Who could get mad at that? No, I cannot get mad at a tiny, adorable toddler who invites me somewhere. But so. That being said, we are um, we are also joined by a special guest today, Jed the cat. <laughs> he is awake and living his best morning life. Um, part of me wonders if I should have taken his collar off because it would make him make less noise. Because um, it's the sound of both his bell and the little tag on his collar that says "trophy husband." <laughs> That oh make him noisy. God. Oh, God. Kurt was just making fun of me before we started officially recording because I have a little like contraption in our front window that's basically a hammock for my cat to hang out in while he watches the squirrels and birds that uh, live in the tree outside of our the front of our house. Uh, but I've, I refuse to apologize for how much I love our cat. And, he, and you, and you have to late. admit. It's too late to apologize. <laughs> It's too late. Um, you have to admit that he you've met worse cats. Like, what do you mean worse? Like cats that are awful and mean and not kind. And my cat is basically just a cuddle dog. I guess I don't meet a lot of cats. Uh, that's fair. You tend to avoid them when you can. I do. Well, so I, I respect that he respects my personal space when I come to your house. Yeah. So that's good. <laughs> he knows to avoid yeah. you. Yeah. But how was how was your week, Kurt Graves? Uh my week was good. Yeah. We had a a fairly mild weather week, which was nice. I didn't have to use the snowblower at all. So that's exciting. And other than that, I worked and that's it. <laughs> So, yeah, it was a real fun and exciting week for me. Um, how about you? Um, my, I guess it was also exciting in its own way. On Tuesday, my lovely, beautiful, hetero soulmate, uh, Katie, uh, went to the doctor and found out she had influenza A. So uh, a lot of the week was just uh, quarantining myself into my bedroom when I wasn't at work and then taking care of her when I could. Uh, I also didn't go into coach at all this week to avoid spreading any uh, germs and illness to my students. And so far, I have not caught the influenza A because we've been very careful about it. So, yeah, just really glad to not be sick. Hey, you you took your turn already, so hopefully it doesn't come back. Yes. Everyone, Mm -hmm. make sure you're washing your hands, you're drinking lots of water, that you're properly resting, and you are not touching anyone or anything for any reason whatsoever. Yeah. We can we can all shake hands and hug and high five again in May. (laughs) Yes. When we're done seeing each other. Yes. (laughs) So um, I did not go to a forensics tournament this week. You did not. Um, I did not. I went to a child's birthday party instead. And um, how was how was Appleton Xavier's Hawks Next tournament invite? It was delightful as always. Mariah does a great job. Um, I spent the day working the intake table with Mark Adi and then also Dana Krause from uh, the lovely northern area, as I love all of my northern friends. And so it was just mostly me making fun of Mark for like eight hours, which I loved. 
That could be fun. He seems a good sport about those sorts of things. Yeah. And neither of them really had a lot of intake table experience. So it was really fun uh, just to make fun of Mark's inefficiencies. Um, but then I also got to judge a few rounds for Mariah just because her judge pool wasn't the most massive. So I got thrown into uh info prelim round, which was delightful. Uh, I had my multicolor pen and let the students pick which color I was going to fill out their critique sheets in because oh that's God. the mood that you're I was of, in. You're one of those fun judges. I was such a fun judge. Don't even come for me. And then I also judged the poetry final round, which was really fun. But it was a great day. I just liked hanging out with everyone as always and just getting to hang around with Mariah uh, for a majority of the day, I was the only other female working in her tap room, which I like the people are getting better at. And I mostly was just sitting outside with Mark. So, um, mm-hmm. but hey guys, when you're thinking about your tap rooms, like think about making sure that you are like, you got diversity and whatnot, if you can, both in gender and in people, it's a good time. Uh, happy international women's day. I mean, really? <laughs> Yes, it was. And it should be Mm -hmm. every day, but every day is white male privilege day instead. Uh, By the way, happy white male privilege day. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I make sure to tell you every day. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's a Xavier is a beautiful campus, as we talked about last Mm -hmm. year. Uh, And so it's just really nice to be there. Um, Mariah's husband, Chad, does an amazing job with the food and keeping it all stocked. Um, Her mom makes a bunch of baked goods. So I got to have a delicious chocolate cupcake yesterday. It's one of the, it's the non-vegan thing I treated myself to. Uh, And it was just a great day. I just really like that tournament. It makes me happy. And then I came home and fell asleep on my couch and then stayed up way too late watching Cool Runnings with my roommate. What a week. Also, you have not watched Cool Runnings lately. That movie solidly holds up as a great sports film. It's I thought I went in thinking it was gonna be super problematic and there were gonna be a lot of issues, but there were only one or two moments where I felt really uncomfortable, and the rest of the time I was just giggling slash crying. Cause I, I will take your word for it. <laughs> You don't want me to lend you our DVD copy of Cool Runnings? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Oh. Do we even have a DVD player? I wouldn't know how to play it. Oh, oh. oh no. Yeah. But wait, it, um, yesterday was also a great day for me because even though it's sort of a weird tournament day, I had um, a lot of underclassmen break to power rounds for the first time yesterday, which was just really fun and That's made my exciting. heart really warm. So it was a great day overall. I very much enjoyed myself. I, I am a little bit forensics burnt out, like on the bus on the way there. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. And then like 20 minutes into the hustle and bustle and saying hello to everyone. I was like, OK, yeah, now I know why I'm here. Right. <laughs> this is my thing. Right, right. These are my people. I just need to have coffee. <laughs> it's true. It's an important element. Very important. And you sent that lovely photo of uh, like the sunrise as you were... Ooh. Headed to the bus in the morning. Oh, such a good sunrise on my walk. I mean, what I, first I immediately slipped and fell on the ice outside of my house, like literally stepped onto the public sidewalk and bit it, which was cool. But then I, um, it was made up by a beautiful, ridiculous sunrise that I just like stood in the middle of the street to take a picture of to send you and Antonio. <laughs> and you were somehow awake because your brain was like, We'd like to be awake anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not a forensic day for us, but we're going to be awake. No, just a normal wake up time, honestly. Mm. Sleeping so, always. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, it was lovely to see that because we don't get a great sun rises or sunsets like from my neighborhood up here. It's not like when we used to live close to the lake and we got to see that. So that was, that was really nice uh, to see. Oh, I'll, I'll try to send you more sunrise photos, even though I'll miss them now okay. with daylight savings time. They'll uh-huh. have already mostly risen. They will have rised. They will have rose did. <laughs> um, are there any, uh, do you have like a best thing you saw this week or one round of info? Not enough to call. 
Yeah, I mean, the round of info that I saw and the poetry round that I judged were were great. And they were, like, overall just really, like, solid rounds. We're at that place in the season now where, like, everyone's getting into their strides. And pe- there's mm-hmm. it's getting harder. And working the intake, there are a lot of judges coming back saying, oh, that was so tough. That was so good. Like, I, we're at that place now, which feels good. Yeah. But also makes judging a little bit harder. I'm trying to think of like so a no joking be- best thing I saw this week. No best thing. That's okay. There doesn't have to be. Mm, I mean, Mariah Irvin's beautiful smiling face, probably. Ladies and gentlemen, Mariah Irvin. Okay. Well, I did not have a tournament recap this week, but next week I will have two for you. Ooh. So, because I am judging a WHSFA districts tournament at Bayport High School on Thursday, and then I am judging at Wapaka on Saturday. And so, I will be at Arrowhead, so you're getting three tournament recaps, y'all. It'll be crazy. <laughs> that cuckoo noise from Drag Race just played. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, let's just jump into it. Let's talk about our topic of the week. Um, this week we're talking about special occasion. Yes. Or as some people like to call it, specac. Or as we used to put on Power Round posters when I was in high school, a parrot with a word bubble that said specac. Yep. For us, it was a chicken. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was a chicken and I just don't know. Uh, cartoon birds. I mean, our unofficial team mascot is a chicken because our school mascot is the Red Wings and we're we're just so quirky. So everything for us involves chickens. Okay, we're not having another conversation about birds um, this week. So we're going to we're going to cut that off there and we're going to move on. (laughs) Um, Do you have the the definition of special occasion speaking? (gasps) I don't ready to go right away. Oh, I'm so oh I'm so thrown off. Also, sorry to everyone I saw yesterday and said um, that we were talking about something different today. <gasps> Oops. All right. Special occasion is kind said, of a long one. No apologies. No excuses. We get to change our mind. This is our podcast. Uh, the WFCA yeah. defines special occasion as the challenge to the speaker is to make an appropriate presentation that responds to the constraints of the occasion, including the probable audience, and consider in considering, yes, the appropriateness, which for some reason is in quotation marks, of the speaker's work, attention will be paid to the purpose the speaker chooses, the position taken, the content, organization, and general stylistic tone, and the manner of delivery. It is possible that a speech may pursue more than one of the standard general purposes of informing, persuading, and entertaining. Y'all, that definition is confusing as It's also, oh, I just cursed. I'm gonna have to bleep it out. Oh no! <laughs> it's been a while. It's been like years since I didn't do that on purpose. Oh no! <laughs> that definition is rather quite confusing, uh, and it's also it <laughs> and it's also really. I think it's really poorly written. Um, how would you define special occasion? Um, I don't know, but whatever you just said. Yeah, it was throwing me off. Um, I mean, to me, special occasion could be one of the simplest category definitions that we have, which is that the speaker is presented with a fictional special occasion and they get to create the context for which they are giving the speech. And then they write and deliver a speech within that context. Like, you're given a special occasion and you have to speak like you're at that special occasion. That's as much better than what we have on the WFC website. Hey, friends, let's figure out something else to say there because it's It's, real confusing right now. Yeah. Just so confusing. Um, Did you ever perform in Specock? I did not, but I love writing special occasions as a coach. It is one of my favorite things to write as a coach one of my least favorite things to judge okay that's interesting yep do you want to expand on that right away 
Um, for me, special occasion has veered very far away from what the actual intent of the category is. And, uh, in the WFCA, as coaches, we have a lot of conversations about trying to figure out the constraints to try to push down on creativity. Uh, when in reality, it's just this, the fact that we have a judge expectation of what a special occasion is. And it's sort of like the interp category of speech now. Like people go in and a lot like there are speeches where they have accents and they have like physical affectations and changes that uh, are part of these like characters that they're creating with the context that they're setting up for their speech. And I it is really hard for me because a lot of the times those are still really great speaking students are great performers. They've written really funny, interesting speeches, but I don't think that's what the intent of the category is. And so I find it very hard to judge those students against the ones who are giving what might be labeled as a more straight-laced interpretation of a special occasion speech. Sure. Yeah. Um, I never did spec oc, but I, I did have two teammates when I was in high school. I was like the public address kid. Mm-hmm. And then they were like the special occasion girls. And like, we were, we were very close. Um, Give them a we shout like, out. Uh, well, it was Stephanie Ackman and, um, oh my God, this is weird. Cause I'm remembering it was Molly Tolufson is her name now, but that's her married name. And that wasn't her name when we were in high school. Van Dielen, Molly Van Dielen. There you go. <laughs> I was like, it's so weird because now on Facebook, I only see her married name. And I was like, wait, what was her name in high school again? <laughs> what was her um, other name? <laughs> yeah, what was her name when I knew her well? Um, so that was like, I mean, obviously the other half of my brain, Stephanie Ackman, yeah. um, wrote amazing special occasions and and won for her freshman and sophomore year in that category. Um, and Molly was also very successful. So that was my first real exposure to special occasion. And it did create the definition of what spec ox should be in my mind. And that mirrors kind of what you just said, um, which in that, like, I do think that we have gone so far outside the box with special occasion that sometimes it just, doesn't make sense anymore as a speech category. And I've often, often heard coaches describe it as like that unique category where it's half interp and half speech, which I respect those coaches who have said that, but I don't like that. No, I I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. And I think the way that I have approached that with my students has been, to always add the extra caveat that this is a special occasion and you have to imagine yourself at some point in your natural life giving this speech. And then that tends to like bring it back to earth, sometimes literally, because like there have literally been people who've done very well on special occasion pretending they're like the president of an alien race giving their concession speech or or something like that, you know? Um, which again shows great creativity and, and great creative writing. And none of those things are bad things. Um, but if we're going to focus on, on what it means to teach a child how to become a better more capable adult, and we're going to teach them how to communicate in different settings, then I think special occasion should really add something to its definition or totally change its definition, but include the caveat that like the speaker should imagine him or herself or their self giving the speech in their natural lifetime. Meaning it, it can't happen 200 years from now because we haven't figured out a way to live 200 years yet, you know? And I don't want it to sound like we're trying to like stifle creativity. It's just the fact that there are some students who are being coached to give one kind of special occasion speech. And then there are some students who are being coached to give another and it makes it hard on judges and it makes it hard on students. I had to have a conversation with one of my regular special occasion speakers this year. She was like, I wanted, I just wanted to be like a stand up routine. I just wanted to be so like big and funny. And I was like, that's not what special occasion is for though. Like, Unless the special occasion is give a stand-up routine. Yeah, which like which none of them are. None of them year. are this year. So 
it it makes it difficult for me to try to feel like I am trying to encourage students into a speech category. And I have students who are these great personalities and they're charismatic and they're engaging naturally. And so special occasions is a great place to send those students because when you are at a opening for a new building or you are at an event where people are giving speeches, the ones that you remember that are good are charismatic, engaging speakers. And so I want to be able to send students there who I know are going to give great engaging speeches. But when they are going in with my coaching, which is so different from someone else who's coaching their kid to go in there and have a wacky personality and like be a pirate with a peg leg and a pet parrot. Mm -hmm. Like I, it makes it really difficult to to have that student come back and say, I'm doing only just okay in special occasion because my speech is so different from these other ones. And then yeah. I feel bad because I don't know if I'm supposed to be changing my mind or if those coaches are supposed to be changing yours. And it's a conversation that we have, like you and I have both had with lots of other coaches about seeing this category just shift and morph, which is totally natural and totally to be expected in forensics overall. But it has just made things very difficult uh, in our association. And it's a conversation we've been having basically at every meeting where we talk about like what we need to change and alter for like five years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do think there's a conversation to be had around fairness. I always like cringe a little bit at that notion just because I do think a part of our activity is teaching kids that like, well, life ain't fair kid, you know, like, so, yeah, like, on an objective scale, you could put two speeches next to each other and there could be consensus that one is better than the other. But the truth is that's not how this activity works. You go yeah. into a room with one adult who's tasked with telling you how well you did and it's their opinion that matters. And there's going to be so many occasions in your life, some of them special occasions, where like that's the that's the situation you're in. Like every job interview is is walking into a room and doing what you can to connect with, engage with, and impress really one single person most of the time. And sometimes it's going to go your way and sometimes it's not. And it's not because that person, you know, or the other candidate or the other speakers were like objectively better than you. They were just subjectively preferred by the person who gets to choose in that, in that occasion. So like, but it, I think for me, the conversation around fairness it has more to do with like making it possible for our judges to understand the category a little bit more easier, Yeah. Um, which in, in turn makes it easier for the students to create something that they know the judge expects and, and then they can therefore be more effective in their category. Um, and I just keep coming back to the argument that like what's more educational in the long run? And I think it's more educational to teach young people how to give speeches that they might actually give at some point in their life. And I think the category should and mostly have, you know, reflected that. Um, You know, there was one a couple of years ago that was like a a presidential candidate or somebody giving a a resignation speech or something. And Mm -hmm. so like I I did have a kid who wanted to be a president who was resigning from office and it was like, okay, but then you got to go through the whole, and we did this, we did a whole exercise of like, okay, well, how old would you be when you ran for and won president? Like what year would it be? What cycle would you have been in? Um, You know, what political affiliation did you have? What did you run on? What were your uh, political achievements up to that point? And then like once you were in office, what happened? Why are you resigning? And like and he took a, a, you know, a really interesting turn on it that required us to really dig deep into like, well, OK, what's the legislation you tried to pass? Like, what was it called? Like, what were your stances? And I mean, the bulk of our writing time was spent just creating this world that doesn't mm-hmm. exist, but could like there's yeah. a path for him to reach that that life. Um, and it was no less, I think, creative um, than somebody who who comes up with, you know, uh, the, 
you know, the commander of the elven army in whatever fantasy world, you know, because it required a lot of thought and and conversation and and creativity to do that. And it all still existed in in what could be the real world. Yeah. You know, so I just think educationally, we do our kids a disservice by not being more specific in our definition of saying, no, 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 you imagine yourself in this situation. You imagine yourself in this situation now, because some of them could, some of these special occasions, it could be a teenager giving that speech and say, just imagine yourself now doing this speech. Fine. What's this? What's the situation in which you're giving this speech? Or imagine yourself as an adult giving this speech. Imagine yourself at the end of your life, your final days giving this speech. Um, what is the world like at that point? What, you know, especially for a teenager to say like, what's the world like in 50 years? Um, mm-hmm. You can, you can go pretty far and still exist in the real world. You know, like we're at the point now where like, if you want to imagine yourself as like being a colonizer of the moon, that's not as far fetched as it used to be. And so if you can lay down in your speech, like the science of how we got there, and it doesn't have to be long. It can be two sentences of like how we got to the moon and when it happened. And that means like, it's still you, you know, Johnny Smith giving this speech. Like, like again, like there's so much room for creativity, but you still get to be a human person, Yeah, <laughs> you know, sometime in your natural lifetime giving that speech. And we're not saying that people who enjoy the more outlandish ones that aren't grounded in reality are wrong. This is our podcast and these are our opinions. And it's also a conversation that we have had a dozen times off of microphone. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to, I don't want to sound disparaging. I'm just so like, I don't want people to think that we're telling other people that they are wrong or that students who do something else are wrong. It is just this category for me as both a coach and a judge can be very difficult because of how different expectations are for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, this is not at all a criticism of people. It's a criticism of of the rules, really. That's that's just how I feel. That's just so. And I I will say, too, that like when I'm judging it, I do my very, very best not to let that influence me. Like, no, I do try to look at like, well, okay, what is this speech? And then I judge it for what it is, not judging it for what I wish it were. Yep. Which is a good lesson to learn. It's difficult. And and even it, you know, for me and for many people who've been doing it much longer than me, you still need to like have that little conversation with yourself at the beginning of the round. And as you go through the round and be like, okay, whatever my gut reaction is to this, it's not my place to judge what it is. It's to judge how well the student has executed what they're executing. Mm-hmm. So, and and that is made more difficult for our judges when there are wildly different outcomes like final products in the same category anyway so now that we've uh dissected our thoughts on the category itself let's talk about how to be successful in it shall we (laughs) i think we've talked about how that can be really difficult but uh special occasion is difficult because it's only six minutes but that's a realistic amount of time you would be giving a speech in public like people aren't giving they're not Trump at CPAC talking for two and a half hours. Like we're, we're ta- most people are speaking from anywhere from three to six minutes. So it's figuring out how to make every moment of those six minutes count um, and figuring out the best way to engage your audience almost more than any other uh, speech category. Your audience is so important when you are writing your speech and you're figuring out where you are setting up the context of your speech uh, because a speech that you're giving as the, the, the this year running for a school candidacy is going to be very different from the speech that you would be giving as a recruitment speech. So figuring out like p- the students who are coming and have the defined audience and they have a defined tone for their audience, I think are the ones who are 
most successful because it's something other kids don't think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, like just like an acting exercise, like if you're going to do improv or you're going to write a play or something like that, like, or, or you're, you're trying to build a scene with a character, uh, with an actor, like part of the questioning process for me, as I kind of described already is like, well, what was happening right before this moment? Like, what is the, what is this person's background? Um, what has, if it's you, as I coach my students to do, like what has happened between your point now as a 14 year old and you at the age of 37 or whatever it is you're giving this speech. And I, I do think like having some conversation about context is, is super important um, because it will help you write a better speech. And it's a fun exercise. It's also a great it thing is. to do when you're at this place in the season where you've practiced a ton and you've given your speech over and over again, just sit down and have a conversation and just sort of build that world around it uh, just to set yourself back to where you would be. You're giving, mm -hmm. are you running for class president? Show me what you are like, show your coach what your slogan would be and show them what your posters you would hang around the school would be. Is it a ribbon cutting? Tell me about the people that you would be inviting to your ribbon cutting that you don't already talk about in your speech. Use those exercises outside of just practicing your material over and over again. Mm -hmm. And fun. I do think, yeah, exactly. And I do think like to speak to your students uh, desire to have like a humorous speech, humor is often a, a great element to add to any kind of speech, um, you know, get it, being able to, to make your audience laugh is one of those, uh, those ways to like engage an audience that works so quickly, but you got to be good at it. Uh, the joke has to be thoughtful. Uh, it can't be offensive. Um, and also there are times when a joke is inappropriate. Like yeah. the, the, the pre, the previously mentioned resignation speech. Like I remember my kid wanting to add a joke and I was like, is this the time to make jokes? When you're stepping down from the presidency of the United States of America, is now the time? And he was like, oh, I guess not. And I was like, good answer. <laughs> because no. Um, but like all of these that I'm seeing, like a principal's welcome, a recruitment speech, a ribbon cutting, school office candidacy, like those are all great times to use humor. Yep. Um, but that is that is when you need an audience to be able to tell you if your joke is actually funny and mm -hmm. if you're delivering it well, you need to work with a coach or you need to work with preferably you're doing with a coach and with some peer coaching with other students, like tell the joke, see if it's funny. And if <laughs> it's not no funny, laugh? yeah, I was like, if it ain't funny, your audience is always right on that front. There's no time when like you as the writer are correct. If nobody laughed. Something's yeah. wrong with the joke. If nobody's laughing, mm. try again. Um, another element of like speaking that I just, I love is like personal anecdotes. And again, this is an area where you could get really creative in, in special occasion and you can imagine something that might happen in your life and use that as a personal anecdote or mine your own childhood. Like so many of us as adults still use stories from our childhood. Um, to, to help illustrate some point that we're trying to make, because there's a lot of shared experiences that we have as kids um, that speak to human nature in a really like fundamental way. And so why not use those experiences to be able to illustrate a point later in life? You can do that as a teenager. You can do that as an adult. Just think about your childhood and, and what personal anecdote you might be able to bring to the table. Um, and I think if it's real, if it's really something from your childhood and it's a story you're telling that actually happened, I think it's just easier to make your audience feel that and relate to it. You, you might be a very good writer and speaker and be able to trick an audience into thinking that something actually happened in your life that didn't, but it's so much easier to just use something real. And also your judges aren't, aren't dummies guys. Like if you reference a story from your college years in your speech, like, well, they know you're making that up. Yeah. And it might be a very good story, but like we as human beings can't disconnect logic from our, from our judging. And so mm -hmm. like, 
we know when you're telling us a story about your college years or like when you had your first child, we know you're you're not telling us the truth. And you're playing so pretend. You're playing pretend. And like that's that's part of the nature of the category. And so like that's not against the rules. Um I do think it makes it harder to make to like connect with the judge. And so my advice to my kids has always been like, mine your real life for that anecdotal gold rather than trying to make something up that you think is just more interesting. It doesn't have is- it doesn't have to be a huge interesting thing that happened to you to be relatable and and be effective. But there's something to be said for the fun that is sort of the aspirational anecdote when a student is like, when I won my first Tony Award, and you're just like, yes, mm-hmm. you've, you've got that vision board, and I am watching you lay that vision board out in front of me. And so those things can be fun, but you have to be able to do so convincingly. Like, I have to believe sure, that you won like- that Tony Award. <laughs> Would you encourage your student, though, to like do a whole paragraph about like what winning that Tony Award was like? No. Right. Like using that as like a, a when I won my Tony Award, like six sentences to help build the world and create context. Yeah. Great. I thought back to when I was oh, really in my freshman production of this thing and someone believed in me. That's what we're yes. talking about in the idea yes. of like, like bringing us to your reality. Exactly. Exactly. Make up the the world of being an actor who wins a Tony Award, but then tell us the story about, you know, the first time you stepped on stage in your school play or your your church play, you know, and that spotlight hit you and you loved it. Like mix mix your real world in with your with your fake world, with your aspirational world, with your dream board world. Um, and and we can't we can't help but as judges to connect with you a little bit more and to like you a little bit a little bit more when there's authenticity there. Yeah. It shows when, when you are authentic, you are also showing vulnerability and like humor is not the only way to be engaging with an audience. Like it is not the only way to be engaging, bringing us in and helping set us up to have empathy towards you, uh, whether it is feeling bad for you because you've done something really self-deprecating or because you made yourself vulnerable in front of your audience. That is another way to engage us. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, So in special occasion, I think we've already sort of talked about this, but one of the main things that students can take away from this category is that in your life, you don't got to give speeches at various special occasions. Uh, Well, here, okay. Places in your life where you have had to give a speech that you had to write ahead of time. For me, made of honor speech, made of honor toast slash speech. Yeah, uh, I I presided at a wedding. I had to do a whole like homily about the couple. Mm -hmm. Uh, A toast at my dad's promotion, his military promotion. I had to write a little toast uh, Mm -hmm. to give as part of his thing slash like an acknowledgement slash congratulatory speech. I don't just give toasts, but (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say the greatest job I ever had was working for a mission trip organization. And part of the job was getting up and giving like talks at the end. It was at the beginning of the day to like inspire them to go out and do work. And then at the end of the day to like, uh, you know, synthesize everything that they were interacting with during the day. And like, it was a faith-based camp. And so we were also bringing it back to like, you know, our, our faith and community and service and all of that. And so like part of my job, like I, all day I worked in the kitchen to feed kids. And then at night I had to get up on stage and, and give like a 30 minute talk about my life Mm -hmm. and my faith and, and try to like impart some wisdom and, and tell some story and make them laugh. So like that was a time I had to use my, my speech background. Uh, I recently had to pitch to a large corporation here in Sheboygan to potentially uh, sponsor and give a grant to my team. So it was a lot of me laying out not only facts about our budgetary needs, but also giving anecdotes about how great my students are and the achievements that they did and the things they gain outside of our category or outside of our activity that are not just trophies so there was the the level of persuasion in there Mm -hmm. uh yeah i 
I worked as a salesperson for several years and drove all over the country, basically giving sales pitches, like standing up in front of people and doing presentations um, and also having to do them online and still try to be engaging, um, even though you don't get to interact with your audience. I am the program assistance chair, so I lead coaching clinics every year, one like large ones at the fall meeting for a majority of the association. But also I lead small ones uh, in person where it's just me and a few people. And I also lead them online where it's me uh, getting out information on behalf of our association, but also taking in information and thoughts and complaints and compliments from other people to be able to then give those thoughts and feelings to the executive board at large. Mm-hmm. like. These like special occasion speeches are things we do in our life. And it's the, I think it is oh, the yeah. category that translates. Because my, my oh. next one was a humble brag and I needed to get this okay. one out there. Oh, do you have any more? Um, in 2016, I won the Hints Award for Coaching Excellence and I had to give us an acceptance speech in front of um, hundreds of young speakers and coaches and my peers. And you cried. Did I? Yes. Nobody has that on film. I was sobbing. And it's then, fine. And then the following year, I had to present the award to somebody else. So, yes. Even speech coaches got to give speeches, y'all. Even speech coaches, we give them <laughs> like, and, and not to mention, not for nothing, the pep talks we've had to give our kids throughout the years. Or other people's kids. Or, or or just like, or other people's kids, or even just giving information at these meetings where we like need to communicate with teenagers and teenagers. If you're listening, spoiler alert, you're terrible. You're you like bad. the worst audience for an adult to try to impart information to, especially after like at the end of your school day, like you burnt out. You do not want to listen to us. We get it. We still need you to understand, like hear us. And so we use a lot of our speech and communication skills to try to impart information to you that otherwise would take two minutes, but somehow takes 20. (laughs) Kirk got feelings. Uh, But I think that this is the category in forensics that translates the most directly to real world because we're giving you real world examples of places that you would have to give these speeches. And so it's a category that goes sort of underutilized. The numbers have started to dwindle in our association and yet it's such an important skill to have. And so, Hey guys, try special occasion. If you're an interpreter who's having difficulty climbing your way up the ranks in a pros pool, like bring your, your engagement and your charisma to special occasion. Like, yes, you have to write a speech, but it's only six minutes long. Mm-hmm. There are only, there are four prompts within which you have to write the speech within. And we've given you so many great tips on how to set yourself up to give, to write and give a great one. Right. And as somebody who started, yeah, as somebody who started doing public address and had four prompts to choose from, I loved it. It was such, it was so great as a freshman to, to be able to just answer a question yep. instead of having to come up with something entirely on my own. It was like, oh, here's a prompt to kind of like get me going in the right direction. And you know what? It didn't mean that like there were a bunch of people up there giving the same speech because we were answering the same question. Far from it. Like there's still a huge variety of opinions and styles and deliveries regardless of of which prompt you choose. So um, I I have joked in the past about getting rid of special occasion just because I'm bitter and I thought public address was a better category, but I would never actually vote to get rid of it. Because, but I would vote to change the rules and to make it more educationally valuable, in my opinion. And then once it's that, I think it would be more popular and I think more kids would do it and it would be more competitive and it would be more interesting for judges and more valuable for students. You can get an amen on that one. A second. Seconded. So move. Oh, so moved. So, well, maybe sometime in the future when I'm actually a member of the WFCA again. In the meantime, we'll just keep keep judging and you keep coaching your kids. And at some point, I'll have kids again and and be able to give them these rousing pep talks in person. 
Or well, refer them, maybe just refer them to the podcast because. Oh, yeah. You don't have to give it again. Be like, I already recorded a podcast <laughs> about this. Go sit in the corner and listen to it. Come back to me when you're done. Yeah. It'll be great. They'll love that. So um, in your time as a judge slash coach, have you had some special occasion speeches or like approaches to topics that have really stood out for you? One that I reference back to uh, was a student giving a presentation to some semblance of a charity. And she chose the Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin and talked about all of the things that uh, the organization does uh, that people don't realize or don't acknowledge or we don't talk about uh, as publicly as we do their um, like contraceptive services. And mm -hmm. it just, it was informational and it was also engaging and she just did a great job. And I just still think about it as being the perfect balance of a special occasion speech that was engaging and rooted in reality and just also like really good. Mm -hmm. I, like I said, the, the ones that really still stand out to me all these years later are like what Molly and Stephanie wrote in high school. Cause they really were excellent. And, and, and like I said, they won a lot. And so that was, it was a consensus. It's not just my opinion. They were, they were very, very successful competitors um, including two state championships for Stephanie Ackman. And I, the one that sticks out to me from last year that I got to judge is one where I really did have a problem with like the premise of the speech. And I wrote that in the critique um, because the, you know, the girl was very tall. And so she kind of started out talking about like, she was like the president of the association of tall people or something like that. And I was like, interesting. I wonder if this is actually a thing. Like maybe it could be, it's not so far outside the realm of possibility that it's fake, but it's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, but then really like her speech was about her grandmother who was also very tall and like what it meant to her to be someone who carries on the legacy of her grandmother. And I was like, there's the speech. I was like, why are we making up this weird organization? when you could just find an excuse to talk about your grandmother, that's so much more satisfying and less silly, you know? And, and so like, I remember like being initially confused, but like 90% of the speech I was just in love with because it was so well-written. And I, I did not know if she was talking about a real person, but because she was a teenager talking about a grandmother, she could have, it could have been real. Like I couldn't, question the validity the validity of a young person talking about you know their their grandparent and it was it was just a really well written speech and i found out after the fact totally made up the whole thing was fake so it is possible to write really effective speeches um where you don't actually know the person uh but she spoke with such eloquence and such clarity about this person she may as well have been real and she got to me but she did throw me off at the beginning with a little bit of a silly thing. I was like, eh, why is this even here? So I do remember that speech from last year. And I think she did very well throughout the season. I remember seeing her on stage a lot. So um, she was she was quite successful. I love Spec Ock. Please help us bring it back to what it's supposed to be. And I know that there are a lot of people who are listening to this who have all of the opinions. So. Give them to us. Yes. We want them. Someone I interacted with yesterday was like, I almost sent you a message about what you talked about on the podcast, but then I didn't. Hey, guys, just send us the message. Yeah. Even if you're going to see me and talk to me in person, send me the message anyway so that Kurt and I can both look at it together. And then we can talk about it on the podcast because I would also love to do follow ups to the things that people are telling us about these episodes because we have this conversation, you and I, and then the next tournament we're at everyone wants to talk to us about it in person and so mm -hmm. i would love to help disseminate some of those ideas that you all are sharing with us so please like send us a message yeah. we got emails we got facebooks we got instagrams we got twitters hit us up slide so into those ways. dms please and thank you so yeah all right well uh you have uh, a purim celebration to get to is that correct I do indeed. I have I have okay. a Purim celebration at the Mequon Jewish Preschool. 
So uh, we will let you get on your way and uh, we will be back next week to talk about another categories topic, which we will not announce in advance because we might change our minds. Yup. Yup. So thank you everybody for listening and uh, do get in touch if you have uh, questions or thoughts or um, any, I don't know, what, what else could you have? A question, a thought, a comment, a joke? Uh, a concern. Tell us a joke. Yeah. yeah. We, we um, before we end, can I do one quick plug? Please. I can so, always cut it if I don't agree with it. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> the spring association meeting for the WFCA is coming up and it is in April this year rather than our normal weekend in May. So it is going to be Friday, April 26th is the afterglow down in Port Washington. And then the actual spring uh, meeting is April 27th in the morning. We've got round tables and conversations and discussions that happen. And then the official meeting takes place in the afternoon. Uh, there's all sorts of information on the information. information. <laughs> there's information. <laughs> we got information. There's information about that on the website. Also, if you are someone who is thinking about submitting a proposal for us to discuss as the association, proposals are due to our webmaster, Scott, by April 7th. So uh, the only way to get us to discuss it at the meeting is if you get it in before April 7th. Uh, A lot of people have been having like hush conversations about proposals. So uh, if you are serious about it, get it submitted. Uh, You got to send it into Scott uh, at the webmaster address on uh, the website wfcaforensics.org and if you do submit a proposal and you want to talk about it on the podcast before the meeting we have had many people tell us before that conversations that have happened on the podcast have helped them sort through a lot of their questions and concerns before they show up to the meeting so that that group can get to a consensus a little more quickly um so yeah, especially if you are the one writing the proposal and want to talk about it and want to have Melissa and I like rapid fire some questions and concerns at you so that you can get all of that explaining out of the way and like figure out your own justifications for things with two highly intelligent and critical people yelling at you. Um, please do come on our podcast. Do it. <laughs> Good. Plug. We're actually I really nice. That one. Thank you. Good. Yes. All right. You get to keep it. Hooray. You get um, to keep but it. Otherwise, uh, we will be talking to you guys next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, y'all. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Proudly produced in Wisconsin, the birthplace of the National Forensics League. Our theme song was written and performed by JJ Hammeister. If you're a fan of Forensics Faces, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can get in touch with Melissa and me by emailing listen at forensicsfaces.com. You can also find links to all of our social media accounts and online merch store by visiting forensicsfaces.com. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order. Mm